Hey guys, welcome back to Dark Tales and Chill with Mac and Meg. This week we're doing the Zodiac Killer. Mac really dove into this one. I'm going into it knowing nothing. Um, so she's going to be basically telling you guys the story and I'm just going to be listening and commenting. But it, we've already done it actually. So it's a really <laughs> good story. I can tell you we did it before the intro. So stay tuned. Yes, and also be on the lookout for some new things coming. Look on our Facebook and our TikTok. There might be some new things in the works. Maybe, maybe not. Go look to find out. Maybe some other kinds of content and maybe more episodes. So... Also give us some feedback because we haven't heard any feedback from you guys about what else you want. So let us know. Yes, and... I'm super excited to get into this, so. Alright, well, let's get right to it and just sit back and listen about the Zodiac Killer. Alright, so the Zodiac Killer, or the Zodiac, which he self-proclaimed. He named himself. He's a unidentified serial killer. He was in Northern California, 1960s. Okay. Is it, um, do they know it's a male? They're, so, yes, probably. Because, like I said, he's unidentified. They don't know anything about him. But there were two survivors. Oh. From his attacks. Okay. There are two identifications of him. Hmm. Slightly similar. Kind of. <laughs> Which we'll get into that. Okay. Okay. Um, so, male. Yes. And here's his little sketch, which you guys can't see, but I, I will post on our Instagram. Kind of looks like an older, nerdy Eminem. Yes. <laughs> I didn't put that, like, I didn't think about that. So, like I said, he was operating in Northern California in the mm-hmm. 1960s. He named himself, but he's known for the letters to the police mm-hmm. and the newspapers. So, and that's where he named himself. And he threatened to kill and bomb and just cause mass hysteria really in his letters which and we'll get all into this this is just kind of like an over overview yeah but he was really big on crypto cryptograms and ciphers oh okay and were those the letters he said yeah okay and big on saying that and it's in a letter which we'll talk about more but the reason behind all this were the people he killed were slaves for the afterlife Very much so. So he's known for sure, like there's known for sure that there's five victims between December of 68, 1968 and October of 1969. So less than a year, almost a year though. Okay. Um, He has claimed 37 victims. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. And he's also been linked to several other cold cases. Oh. 
Um, but they don't know who he is. So. Yeah, so it's. But he has claimed to murder 37 victims, all in all. But that's just crazy to me. If it's really that many, how he how he's still not caught. Not caught. Yeah. Spoiler alert. But he's. Mm. He, if you didn't know, he's never been caught. Yeah, they still don't know who he is. So. It's just insane to me. So, most of the cold cases he was connected to were in California, but there were some outside of the state as well. Mm-hmm. They, so the San Francisco Police Department marked the case inactive in April of 2004. Oh, they gave up. Evidently. But reopened it in March of 2007. Mm. So, it still remains open in the city of, I think it's Vallejo. Vallejo? Uh, It's V-A-L-L-E-J-O. And in Napa County in California. So, let's jump in to his murders, because... There's a lot of them. Yeah, and it's quite... So, we're just going to talk about the known five okay. and the letters. All right. It's hard to find anything on anything that he's... Any case that he's claimed because they've not necessarily tied him. Yes. But he has claimed them, and you'll understand why they're giving him the credit because of the letters, which we'll get into. Yeah. So, his first murders... Or the first murders, like, really connected to him mm-hmm. were the shootings of high school student Betty Lou Jensen, which Rest love the name. Yes. I love it. It's such, like... Really cute name. It's such a cute name. And David Faraday. It happened on December 20th, 1968, on Lake Herman Road, just outside of city limits. The couple were on their first date. Rip. That's like... So tragic. Very. And they plan to attend a Christmas concert at a local high school called Hogan High School. It's about three blocks from Betty Lou's home. Um, the high school where they were supposed to go. Man. They instead visited a friend and then decided to go eat. Mm. Like... Could have saved your life if you went to the concert. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm all about timing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which we've talked about that. Um, so after the restaurant, they drove out on Lake Herman Road. And about 10.15 that evening, David Faraday parked his mother's Rambler in a gravel turnout, which is very known as Lover's Lane, even to this day. Oh, okay. Also, I don't know if you know what a rambler is, but look it up. I think it's a nice-looking older car, but I'm into older cars. It's not like an old yeah. sports car or like a muscle car, but it's just like a nice car, and I think it's really pretty. Like, I told Isaac I wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> so, shortly after 11, their bodies were found by someone who lived nearby, and the sheriff's department investigated but no leads developed wow so using forensics which this is back in the 60s yeah but using forensics 
they were able to tell that another car pulled into the turnout prior to the 11 o'clock mark when they were found. Mm. And it was parked beside the couple. Oh, okay. The killer probably exited the second car and walked towards their vehicle. And they they speculate that they were ordered out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it appeared that Betty Lou had exited the car first. Sorry. <laughs> but when they, like, okay, so David Faraday was halfway out of the car mm-hmm. when he got shot in the head. So, then they, Betty Lou was found 28 feet from the car, and she was shot five times in the back. Wow. And then, obviously, the killer probably drove off because there's nobody there when they were found. So, what, like, so, I just... When I think about the Zodiac and I think about his first kills, I'm just like... Like, what are you doing? Very much so. What? Why? Yeah. What's your motive? So, that all happened on December 20th, 1968. A little bit of a cool down. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not at all, and he just has never been linked to the other ones. True. Because with his... The amount of murders, the amount of psych... Got it. Help the help me with the word. Like just <laughs> psychologically. Yes. Like there's obviously something wrong. Oh, true. Yes. Like so with all that and everything that's going on, and the gruesomeness of most of these, you're not gonna tell me you cooled down for that long. Yeah, shot in the head and shot in the back multiple times. A couple. Yeah. Young. Young couple. Young couple. Like, they were... I have their ages. So, David Faraday was 17, and Betty Lou Jensen was only 16. Rest in peace. Bless y'all. Bless their heart. Like, there was... I just... There's other murders. Yeah. It's very tragic. So, on July 4th of 1969, Darlene Farron, and if I say this name wrong, people please don't come after me, Michael Magoo. I'm pretty sure it's Magoo. Okay. I'm going to have you look. Would you say? yeah. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. If I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. They drove into Blue Rock Springs in Vallejo, California. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Four miles from the murder site in Lake Herman. Okay. So, not far at all. Not far at all. And you know there's a murderer. Like... Why would you be anywhere near there? Yes. Let's not park anywhere like this, guys. So the couple sat in Darlene's car. A second car drove onto the lot and parked beside them. Oh. But almost immediately drove away. Really? Returning ten minutes later, the second car parked behind them. The driver who the Zodiac exited the vehicle approaching the passenger side door of Darlene's car carrying a flashlight and a 9mm pistol oh my he's not playing yeah it was actually a 
Luger. Oh, I like his uh, choice of yeah. pistol there. So, so I mean, not to make one. Sorry, <laughs> but I mean, I get it. <laughs> like, not making light of it at all. He directed the flashlight into Michael and Darlene's eyes before shooting them, firing five times. Mm. Both victims were hit, and several bullets passed through Michael and into Darlene. Oh, wow. So, ow. Just, I mean, obviously. He walked away from the car upon hearing Michael moaning and came back, shot him twice again, and drove off. So, that was on July 4th, 1969. On July 5th, 1969, at 12.40 a.m., a man phoned the police department to report and claim responsibility for the attacks. Really? Big head. Big ego. Actually, in my notes, I wrote, real big ego. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The caller also took credit for the murders of Jensen and Faraday six and a half months earlier. They traced the phone call to a phone booth at a gas station about three-tenths of a mile from Darlene's home and only a few blocks away from the police department. Bold. Very. So, Darlene, unfortunately, was pronounced dead at the hospital. Michael, on the other hand, survived the attack despite being shot in the face, neck, and chest. Wow. That's a miracle. Very much so. He described his attacker. So this is the first... He was the first male survivor. Yes. Gotcha. He described his attacker as a 26 to 30 year old, 195 to 200 pounds, possibly more, and standing 5'8", white male with short, light brown curly hair. Hmm. Like... I try to imagine, I try to picture it. Yeah. So now we're going to go on to the letters. The first letter, to be exact. That was on August 1st of 1969. So right after. So right after. Three letters were prepared by the killer, and he sent it to Vallejo Times Herald. San Francisco Chronicles and the San Francisco Examiner. Wow. They were nearly identical. And a psychiatrist described them as being written by someone you would expect to be brooding and isolated. Hmm. So I thought that was a nice little input on that. He took credit credit for the shootings at Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs. So, both couples. Each letter also included one-third of a 408 symbol cryptogram, which the killer claimed contained his identity. The killer demanded that they be printed in the front page of the newspapers or he would, and this was a direct quote, 
cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. Wow. That so. likes it chills down me. I don't know. Like, it's He's serious. Very much so. So the Chronicle published its third of the cryptogram on page four of the next day's edition. The article uh-huh. alongside of it. The code quoted the Vallejo police chief as saying, we're not satisfied that the letter was written by the murderer and requested the writer send a second letter and more facts to prove his identity. You're poking the bear. Yeah. You are poking the bear. The threatened murders did not happen, so he didn't go prowling. That's a positive. Um positive outcome there. Very, very much so. And all three parts were eventually published. Oh, okay. Of the 408 characters. Yeah. Symbols. Symbols. And I wouldn't even say it was characters. So, that was on August 1st. On August 7th, 1969, another letter was received at the San Francisco Examiner. And it began... Dear editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. Huh. So, and he also <clears throat> um, signed his letters, I guess you could say, with a circle mm-hmm. with a cross through it. I've seen it. Um, and I'll post that on the Instagram, too. Yeah. It's on our TikTok in that one video. Mm-hmm. But one of his ciphers is on our video on the TikTok, too, for anybody who wants to go look at it. Which, and I'll post on Instagram, too. But... This is the Zodiac speaking, like... He's dead ass. Like, take him seriously. This was the first time that he had used the name for identification. The letter was a response to the police chief's request for more details Mm -hmm. that would prove he had killed the three. In it, the Zodiac included details about the murders... That had not even been released to the public. Oh, wow. As well as a message to the police that when they cracked his code, they will have me. So, crack the code, you got me. Yeah. Sorry for the little notification sound. (laughs) So, on August 8th, a day later, date later, (laughs) 1969... Donald and Betty Harden of California cracked the 408 symbol cryptogram. It contained misspelled message in which the killer referenced the most dangerous game. Have you ever heard or read of it? Mm-mm. It's a book. So I have it in these notes. If you give me two seconds, but it's a book about hunting humans. Mm. And in it, he the solve the solve cipher said, "I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because men is the most dangerous animal of all." True, very true. Yes. So I had that was on a separate notepad, but that was what the four hundred and eight cipher said was not his identity. Yeah, like he said. But 
the author also said that he was collecting slaves for his afterlife. Um, no name appears in the Dakota text, and why would he give it away? Because it would slow him down or stop it. Like he said, they'll slow down or stop my slave collection. Yeah. Like, kind of didn't want to get caught, but was bold enough to. Yes. So, on September 27th of 1969, two students from Pacific Union College, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, were picnicking at Lake Berryessa on a small island connected by a sand pit. Spit, not pit. (laughs) A white man, about 5 feet 11, weighing more than 170 pounds, approached them wearing black executioner type hood with clip-on sunglasses over the eye holes and a bib-like device on the chest that had a white 3 by 3 inch cross circle symbol on it. Ooh. (coughs) So. Scary. And there's that symbol again. Yeah. The hooded man claimed to be an escaped convict from jail with a two-word name in either Colorado or Montana, where he had killed a guard and subsequently stolen a car, explaining he now needed their car and money to travel to Mexico because the vehicle he's driving's too hot. Hmm. I get it. So, <laughs> for <Sorry>. real. <laughs> but, yeah. The killer had brought pre-cut lengths of plastic clothesline and told Shepard to tie up Hartnell before he tied her up. The mm. killer checked and tightened Hartnell's bonds after discovering that Shepard had bound Hartnell's hands loosely. Imagine that. Hartnell initially believed this event to be a bizarre robbery, which, understandable, like, mm-hmm. I'm... I mean, I probably would be. be like, I'm getting murdered, but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like a car follows me for ten minutes and I'm getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> but the man drew a knife and stabbed them both repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, Hartnell suffering six and Shepard ten wounds. That's a lot. In the process. He then hiked the killer, Zodiac, Hiked 500 yards back up to Knoxville Road, drew the cross circle symbol on Hartnell's car door with a black felt tip pen. Wow. And wrote beneath it Vallejo 122068 7469 September 27th, 69, 630 by knife. So he's proven to them, this is me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. At 7.40 p.m., the killer called Napa County Sheriff's Office from a payphone to report the latest crime. The caller first started to, or stated to the operator that he wished to report a murder. No, a double murder. What? (laughs) Just the way that is. It's like, whoops. Before, st- yeah, before stating that he had been the perpetrator of the crime, 
Phone was found still off the hook minutes later at the Napa car wash on Main Street. Mm. <clears throat> Sorry. Only a few blocks from the sheriff's office. But 27 miles from the crime scene. So he's like walking by the police station, like, yeah, hey, a big fu, yeah. Like he's probably bringing them donuts. Yeah, he's probably pulling an Ed. How y'all doing? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and like with his, not to mention Ed again, but with his whole demeanor on this situation, how he handles it all. Mm -hmm. Why would they not think that it wasn't somebody? Very, very smart. And who would not come in and, like, do things. Yeah. Like Ed did. A friendly nuisance. Mm-hmm. Why would... I feel like the Zodiac probably would have. Probably. is being this bold. Very much so. Detectives, detectives were able to lift a still wet palm print from the telephone. I was wondering about Never that. able to match it to anybody. Uh... He's got some clean record or something. Well, that's smart if you're going to start doing some killing. Oh, very much so. <laughs> I guess, I mean, good job, Zodiac, for what you're going for. So, after hearing the victim scream for help, a man and his son who were fishing in a nearby cove discovered them mm-hmm. and got the park rangers to help. <coughs> Sorry. So, there were two law enforcement so arrived first at the crime scene Shepard was conscious when they arrived providing him with a detailed description of the attacker they were taken to a hospital by ambulance Shepard lapsed into a coma during transport Mm. and never regained consciousness sad she died two days later rest in peace but Hartnell survived to recount his tale to the press. Good. So, and they they talked to him and just, thank God he survived. Yes. So, one of the detectives who were on the case started like in the beginning and worked on this sole crime, this sole case. Like this case. Until his retirement in 1987. Wow. And never solved it, man. So, two weeks later, (laughs) October 11th, 1969, a white male passenger entered the cab driven by Paul Stein at the intersection of Mason and Gary Street in San Francisco requesting to be driven to Washington and Maple Street for reasons unknown Stein drove one block past Maple and Cherry the passenger then shot Stein once in the head with a 9mm handgun which Hmm. he was carrying one before if I had to bet yeah if I was a betting woman, I'd say it might be that same person. Exactly. Pulling that trigger. Same probably gun. Yeah. Like. Same type of gun. So. Yeah. Took Stein's wallet and car keys and tore away of section of a section of Stein's shirt. 
The perpetrator was observed by three teenagers across the street at 955. <laughs> they phoned police when the crime was in progress. They observed a man wiping the cab down before walking away one block to the north. Two blocks from the crime scene, patrol officers responding to a call observed a white man walking along the sidewalk east on the Jackson Street and stepping into a stairway leading up to the front yard of one of the homes on the north side of the street. He has been so close. Yeah. To being caught. I just... How did he not get caught right then? What the hell? So, one of the patrol officers that I just talked about mm. estimated the white male pedestrian to be 35 to 45, 5'10", with a crew cut, similar to but slightly older than the description provided by the teenagers who observed the killer. So, hmm. no wonder nobody can catch him. I feel like everybody sucks at yeah. describing this man. Because they're all very similar, yes, but like, his height. There's one that says he's like six something. Like, oh, yeah. The and last now one you're was saying. Five, eight, now it's 5'10. Five eight, five ten, five nine. Light hair. Like, I mean, and he probably could have been changing his like hair. Like, I'll give him that. I would. I'd be dyeing it, bleaching it, buying a wig. Yeah. Like, but it's just. And there's two. There's two sketches of him, and they're very not the same. (laughs) Like, like his whole the way his shoulders sit in the sketches Uh and neck proportion portion of mm-hmm. it like you can just looks like two different people like I would not think that they were related in any way mm. so anyway <laughs> um, the teenagers described him as 25 to 30 with a crew cut and standing 5'8 to 5'9 so at least they're both saying he had a crew cut and r- r- about the same size, a couple yeah. inches. However, the police radio dispatcher had alerted officers to look out for a black suspect. What? Yes. Where? <laughs> hold up. It's not funny, but like her reaction has me laughing. When and why did this happen? I mean, I know you said when, but what? Where did that come? And literally the whole. The black had to just come from dispatcher because... What's his name? I don't have the dispatcher's name. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Falsifying information. So, I'm pretty sure that's a crime. Yeah, and then literally when the two patrolmen drove past him, they're not going to stop. I hope you feel good about the Zodiac getting away and never being caught. And it says the mix-up in descriptions remains unexplained but see <laughs> <laughs> you messed up so the Stein murder was initially to be a believed to be a routine robbery which understandable um because it's not something that he normally did mm-hmm. but and they say it just escalated into homicidal violence However, on October 13th, the San Francisco Chronicle received a new letter hmm. from the Zodiac that claimed credit for killing and contained that 
piece of bloody shirt from Stan. I knew he was going to send that back. Just to prove something. his fact. The, I knew he was keeping it for something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the three teen witnesses worked with police artists to prepare a composite sketch of Stan's killer. The police artist returned, working with the witness to prepare a second composite sketch. Um, there was <laughs> estimated... 2,500 suspects over the period of the years. Wow. Just no idea. Needle in a haystack. Yeah. Literally. Hmm. So, more letters. October 14th, 1969. The Chronicle received another letter from the Zodiac. This time, this is the same one I was just telling you about but it also included a threat oh no this one's rough so he threatened to skill, kill school children on a school bus mm. he said he was going to shoot out the front tire and then pick the kitties as they bounced off the bus At 2 p.m. on October 20th, 1969, someone claiming to be the Zodiac called the Oakland Police Department, demanding that one of two prominent lawyers, um, F. Lee Bailey or Melvin Belly, <laughs> appear on San Francisco, AM San Francisco, which was a talk show. So, Bailey was not available, but Belly did appear on the show. Dunbar appealed to the viewers to keep their lines open, which was the host of the show. Um, someone claiming to be Zodiac called several times, and Belly asked the caller for a less ominous name, and the caller picked Sam. Definitely not. His name is not Sam, but... Huh. Okay, same. The caller said he would not reveal his true identity and that he was afraid of being sent to the gas chamber. Oh. It, that was then California's capital punishment, but... I Belly arranged a rendezvous to meet the caller outside a shop on Mission Street in Daly City. Daly City? But no one arrived. Obvi. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not coming, sorry. Yeah. Oh, can we get a rain check, please? Yeah. I'm not quite done murdering people. The call was later traced back to a patient in a mental institution. And they <laughs> conducted and said, oh, nope, that he's not the Zodiac. <laughs> well, mystery solved there. <laughs> On November 8th of 1969, the Zodiac mailed a, mailed a, oh my, sorry, I have reading problems, <laughs> mailed a card with another cryptogram consisting of a 340 character cipher. Lord, here we go again. So, it remained solved for 51 years because guess what, last year they de somebody decoded it. You said it remains solved. 
or unsolved. <laughs> yeah. It just in 2020 got solved. And it was sent out in 69. Wow. So, it was deciphered by an international team of private citizens, including an American software engineer, Australian mathematician, and a Belgian programmer. Wow. In the decrypted message, the Zodiac denied being the Sam who spoke on the show, yeah. explaining that he was not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise. Hmm. All the sooner. The team submitted their findings to the FBI, which verified the discovery. Which, how do you verify? Yeah. <laughs> how do you verify it? Like, you couldn't decipher it. How, how? Yeah. Excuse me? I don't understand that. But, um, the FBI stated that the decoded message even gave no further clues to identifying the Zodiac. So... We wow. still are no closer, but at least we solved one of his yeah. ciphers. On November 9th of 1969, the Zodiac mailed a seven-page seven letter that two policemen stopped and actually spoke with him three minutes after he shot Stein. Wow. Huh. Let's bring that back to the... Oh, sorry, we thought it was a black suspect. Yeah. Really? Experts from the letter ex excerpts, <laughs> yes, from the letter were published in the Chronicle on November twelfth, including the Zodiac's claim that same day. So, Officer Don, I'm not going to say his last name. F O U K E. Yeah. I don't know how. Okay, so we're going to say Officer Don. Yeah, he was on the case. Wrote a memo explaining what had happened on the night of Stein's murder on December 20th, 1969, exactly one year after the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. The Zodiac mailed a letter to Belly, the lawyer, that included another swatch of Stein's shirt, and he, Zodiac, wanted the lawyer to help him out. Wow. So... Just okay. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. So I have a couple murders, just like round, like just of them mm-hmm. that are suspected and speculated to be the zodiacs. Oh, okay. But it's never been confirmed. Okay. So there's a Roger Dobbingos. It's probably Hispanic, and I am super white and can't talk. Um, I'll see if you can Dominguez Dominguez okay 18 and Linda Faye Edwards 17 were shot and killed on June 4th of 63 on a beach there are specific similarities between their attack and the Zodiacs on Lake Berryessa uh huh so um, that's why they're yeah I can see that suggesting Cherry Joe Bates, 18, stabbed to death and nearly decapitated on October 30th of 1966 at a college. Bates' possible connection to the Zodiac only appeared four years after he murdered the San Francisco Chronicle reporter 
or after her murder, so he didn't murder her, him, received a tip regarding similarities between the Zodiac and Betty's. Bates' death. Mm-hmm. Not Betty. Oh, gosh. My eyes. I'm going to start wearing my glasses so I can read my notes. <laughs> Donna Ann Last, 25, last seen September 6, 1970, in Nevada. A postcard bearing an advertisement of Forest Pines condos post pasted on the back was received at the Chronicle on March 22nd of 71, so a year later. Mm-hmm. No evidence has been uncovered to connect her di- disappearance with his him, but it was just weird because he sent a Nevada postcard. So yeah. It's a little weird. Mm-hmm. And then there's Kathleen Johns, 22, allegedly abducted on March 22nd of 1970 um, near Modesto. Oh, okay. Johns escaped from the car of a man who drove her and her infant daughter around the area um, for approximately one and a half hours. Wow, scary. So, I have some parts of her report, Mm -hmm. uh, that last one. So, on the night of March 22nd, 1970, um, I just made it like a little connection. The day they received in so, in the Donna and Last disappearance that they were trying to connect, mm-hmm. um, he sent that postcard to the newspaper mm-hmm. on March 22nd, 1971, and, there, and hers was March 22nd, 1970, and it was just like, I was like... I thought it might have been a year after when you were saying the dates, I just really wasn't sure. Just because I was like, am I reading the same thing in my notes over? <laughs> like, okay, so, March 22nd, 1970, Kathleen Johns was driving from her house to visit, to another place to visit her mother. Mm-hmm. She was seven months pregnant and had her 10-month-old daughter with her. Mm-hmm. While heading west on Highway 132 near Modesto, a car behind her began honking its horn and flashing its headlights. My biggest fear. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, I can't see at night anyway, so like... Someone messing with you like that, you don't really know their intentions. It could be really bad. Oh, yes. Like, my worst fear. So, she pulled off the road and stopped. No. Oh. No, ma'am. Sorry, I didn't mean to kick you. I got worked <laughs> up. Like, no, ma'am. Do not do that. The man in the car be- parked behind her approached her car, stated that he observed her right rear wheel wobbling and often to tighten the lug nuts. Really? <laughs> I'd have been like, no thanks, my boyfriend's right down the road. He got it. Or better yet, I'll just go to a truck stop and do it myself because my daddy taught me, so I'd know. But literally, I know how to. Who doesn't know how to tighten all of them? I mean, this is yeah. Then I get it. But suspicious. So he finished his work and drove off. Yet when John's pulled over, pulled forward to re-enter the highway, the wheel almost immediately came off the car. Exactly. He unscrewed them. 
Like, if you are driving and the wheel feel fine, just keep on. Right. But, so he obviously returned, offering to drive her to the nearest gas station for help. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Don't do it. So her and her daughter climbed into his car. During the ride, the car passed several service stations and he did not stop. For about 90 minutes, he drove back and forth around the back roads. When Johns asked why he was not stopping, he would change the subject, obviously. Who wants to say, I'm going to murder you? Lord. When the driver finally stopped at the intersection, Johns jumped out with her daughter and hid in a field. The driver searched for her using a flashlight, telling her that he would not hurt her. Before eventually giving up, unable to find her, he got back in the car and drove off. Then she hitched another ride, which I think I would just walk to the police station. You go, girl. When Johns gave her statement to the sergeant on duty, she noticed the composite sketch of Paul Stein's killer and recognized him as the man who abducted her and her child. Wow. Fearing that he might return to kill them all, the sergeant had John's way in in the dark at nearby Mills Restaurant. When her car was found, it had been gutted and torched. Wow. Like, he was trying to stop it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't come after me. So, most accounts say that the man threatened to kill John and her daughter while driving them around, but at least one police report disputes that. John's account to Paul Avery on the Chronicle indicates that her abductor left his car and searched for her in the dark with a flashlight. However, in one report she made, she stated he did not leave the vehicle. So, a little sketch. Yeah. I mean, but I get it. Maybe the first one was, like, out of fear. Could be. That's what I thought. Like, and just, like, adrenaline. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I thank God that little baby stayed quiet. Thank God. Cause like my luck, it start wailing and crying. Yeah. <clears throat> so the Zodiac actually continued to communicate with authorities for a long time. So. He'd send it in letters and greeting cards to the press. In a letter postmarked April 20th, 1970, the Zodiac wrote, wrote, my name is, and then to follow that was a 13-character cipher that has never been solved. I wonder if it's even his name, really. But if it's never been solved, maybe. I don't know. It probably wasn't. Who knows? The... Zodiac went on to state that he was not responsible for the recent bombing of a police station, um, but added there is more glory to killing a cop than a Sid because a cop can shoot back. Really? Forget you, Zodiac. The letter included a diagram of a bomb the Zodiac claimed that he would use to blow up a school bus. And at the bottom, he wrote his signature, the cross with the circle around it, Mm -hmm. equals 10 SFPD, San Francisco Police Department, equals zero. Mm. 
Hmm. I see. I see <laughs> what a you. dick. I do not like this man. <laughs> Aside from the murders, like, I do not like this man. Yeah. <clears throat> he sent a greeting card postmarked April 20th, 1970 to the Chronicle. Written on the back of the card was, I hope you enjoy yourselves when I have my blast. Followed by his cross circle signature. <laughs> on the other side of the card, he threatened to use the bus bomb soon unless a newspaper published the full details that he had written. He also wanted to start seeing people wearing some nice zodiac buttons. In a letter postmarked June 26, 1970, the zodiac stated that he was upset that he did not see people wearing zodiac buttons. He wrote, I shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38. The Zodiac was possibly referring to the murder of 25-year-old Sergeant Richard Raditich Mm. one week earlier at 5.25 a.m. on June 19th. Sergeant Richard was writing a parking ticket in his quad car when um, a assailant unrelated to the traffic violation shot him in the head. Wow. With a thirty-eight, um, through the closed driver's side window, he died fifteen hours later. Gosh. So the San Francisco Police Department denies that the Zodiac was involved in this and that the murder remains unsolved. Hmm. Just let the man take credit. <laughs> like I feel like it was him. Probably. So included with a letter was a Philip 66 roadmap of the San Francisco Bay Area. On the image of Mount Diablo, the Zodiac had drawn a cross circle similar to those in his other letters. At the top of the cross circle, he places 0, 3, 6, 9. The accompanying instructions stated that there was 0... To be set to mag in. Not sure. The letter also included a 32 letter cipher that claimed he claimed would, in conjunction with the code, lead to the location of a bomb that he'd buried and set to detonate in the fall. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. The cipher was never decoded and the alleged bomb was never located. But the killer signed a note with the circle and cross equals 12 and the police department 10. Or zero, sorry. In a letter to the Chronicle postmark July 24th, 1970, he took credit for Kathleen John's abduction four months after the incident. In a July 26th letter, he paraphrased a song adding his own lyrics about making a little list of ways in which he planned to torture his slaves in paradise. And paradise is misspelled. It is spelled with a C. So it's paradise. Like paradise. I wonder if it meant something though. Or if it's just a typo. You know what I mean. Misspelling. (laughs) <laughs> the letter was signed with a large exaggerated cross-circle symbol 
with a new score. Him 13, police department 0. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not funny, but... But, well, what an ass hat. Yeah. A final note at the bottom of the letter stated, P.S. The Mount Diablo Code concerns radiance plus inches long the radians. Whatever. <laughs> in 1981, a close examination of the radian hit by Zodiac researcher led to the discovery that a radian angle, when placed over the map per Zodiac's instructions, pointed to the location of two Zodiac attacks. Hmm. So, I don't know. Is he dumb because he can't spell, or is he super smart because he has these ciphers that are super long? I don't know. I don't know if you have to be so smart to make one of those. You know what I mean? What but if it was like brothers? That it's just gosh. like anyone can make one. Figure it out. You know, it's gonna be hard. Yeah. I mean, I mean, depending. But I don't I'm gonna know. try to make a secret code. It'll be terrible, and I'll forget it myself. <laughs> so maybe he did have to be smart because, unless he wrote it all down in a book, which probably would have been smart. Or not so smart if he got caught. Very helpful if he would have got caught. Yeah. Okay, so on October 7th in 1970, the Chronicle received a 3 by 5 inch card signed by the Zodiac with his little circle and a small cross reportedly drawn with blood. Hmm. The card's message was formed by pasting words and letters from an edition of the Chronicle and 13 holes were punched across the card. Um, They all think it's highly probable that the card was sent by the Zodiac. Yeah. Off subject and totally random. I got mail today out of my mailbox and it was covered in dried blood. Every... Wasn't it? Every piece of mail had dried blood on it. Ew. Like, and not just, like, little dots. Like, it was all over both of them. Ew. It made me very paranoid. Infection control issues. <laughs> That's what Isaac said. <laughs> oh, actually, he said this is how COVID-22 will get... Nasty. <laughs> something around, and I was just like, I don't want to touch it, but it was something from my doctor. Oh. And a credit card bill. <laughs> So, they're both out for blood. Who knows? Um, sorry. Off topic. So, on October 27th, 1970, Chronicle reporter Paul Avery, which I've talked about a couple times, um, retrieved a Halloween card with a letter Z and the Zodiac's cross symbol handwritten. Inside the card was a note, Peekaboo, you're doomed. (laughs) Oh, shit. I'd be scared. <laughs> For real. God. <laughs> the threat was taken seriously and was the subject of front page story of the Chronicle. And I do have, um, a picture I'll have to get. Um, soon after receiving the letter, Avery received an anonymous letter alerting him to the similarities between the Zodiac's activity and the unsolved murder of Cherry, Sherry Joe Bates, which had occurred four years earlier and more than 400 miles from San Francisco. 
So, the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, I have stuff on too. And this was one that was thought to be his, but never proven. proven. That was weird that we said it mm-hmm. So, on October 30th, 1966, an 18-year-old student at River City College... Sherry Jo Bates spent the evening at the campus library until it closed at 9. I feel like in every (laughs) scary movie or story, everybody's at the freaking library until it closes. Mm. Some libraries are 24-7. That's even scarier. Yeah. (laughs) Thinking about it. It's just even Mm. scarier. Like, don't. Don't go to the library. <laughs> Just go when it's daylight, people. <laughs> go with a friend. Always yeah. go with three friends. You need three. <laughs> Bring the gang. Yeah. <laughs> Study group. Don't go alone. <laughs> don't walk out alone. <laughs> Just always have your friends. <laughs> right. And if you don't have friends, call me. I will go to the <laughs> library with you. <laughs> um, so neighbors reported hearing a scream around 1030 um, she was found dead the next morning a short distance from the library between two abandoned houses and they were supposed to be demolished for campus renovations. Um, the wires in her Volkswagen distributor cap had been pulled out. Weird. What is a distributor cap? I have no clue. Could be spark plugs. Spark plugs? Say your car won't work. From our live audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just. Or does not go without spark plugs. Yeah. <laughs> I had to learn that the hard way. That's a whole other story. Okay. So, she was brutally beaten and stabbed to death. A man's watch with a torn wristband was found nearby. The watch had stopped at 1224, but police believe the attack occurred much earlier. Mm. So. I mean, if it did, did he just come back at 1224 and happen to drop drop his watch? It's hard to tell. That is weird. A month later, on November 29th, 1966, a nearly identical handwritten letter letters were mailed to the Riverside Police. It was titled, The Confession. Huh. The author claimed responsibility for Bates murders, providing details that the crime was not that was not released to public. The author warned that Bates is not the first and she will not be the last. Hmm. Kind of sounds like him. Yeah. But if I was a serial killer, from my knowledge of serial killers, and which and you probably could agree that if somebody was killed if I was killing and somebody was killing and they were getting more press mm-hmm. and publicity than me I'd be like well if he's doing it I'm doing it mimicking so, yeah mm-hmm. copycatting the one little thing because then you'll get the claim for everybody else's I feel like there had to have been something you know what I mean mm-hmm. so in December of 1966, a poem was discovered carved in the bottom side of a desktop in the library titled, Sick of Living Unwilling to Die. Hmm. You need help. 
The poem's language and handwriting resembled that of the Zodiacs. It was signed with what were assumed to be the initials R.H. Hmm. Wish we had a picture of that. Yeah, me too. So, during 1970 investigation, um, there was an examiner expressed his opinion on the poem written by the Zodiac. And he was questioning the document. So, mm. okay. on April 30th of 1967, exactly six months after Bates was murdered, Bates' father, Joseph, um, the Press Enterprise, which was a newspaper, and the police all received nearly identical letters. Handwritten scrawl, the ple- Press Enterprise and police copies read Bates had to die there will be more with a small scribble at the bottom resembling a Z Joseph's copy said she had to die there will be more with the Z signature hmm bold that's where I kind of feel like okay maybe it's a copycat because why wouldn't he just do his signature yeah like the connection between Sherry Joe Bates and the Zodiac remains uncertain. Paul Avery and the police department maintain that Bates' homicide was not committed by the Zodiac, but did concede that some of the Bates letters may have been his work to claim credit falsely. Mm. I see. So, we're coming towards the end, guys, I promise. <laughs> On March 22, 1971, a postcard to the Chronicle addressed to Paul Avery and believed to be from the Zodiac appeared to claim responsibility for the disappearance of Donna Lass on September 6, 1970. So, it was made from a collage of advertisements and magazine lettering, like stuff you do like in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. But it's so scary to receive in a mailbox. Yeah. So, it featured a scene from an advertisement for Forest Pies condos, mm-hmm. and the Tech Sierra Club sought victim 12. Peek through the pines, past Lake Tahoe areas, and around the snow. Mm-hmm. The Zodiac's cross-circle symbol was in both the plate, both the place of the usual return addresses and lower right section of the front face of the postcard. Hmm. So, oh, sorry, probably. Seems him. like him. Yes. So, last was a nurse at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. She worked until about 2 a.m. on September 6, 1970, treating her last patient at 1.40. Later that same day, (laughs) both last employer and her landlord received phone calls from an unknown man falsely claiming that she had left town because of a family emergency. She was never found, and what appeared to be a gravesite was discovered in Northern California on the Sierra Club property. No evidence has been uncovered to definitely connect the disappearance with the Zodiac, though. Mm. But, I mean, highly likely. Let's yes. just... 
So, in a Vallejo Times Herald story appearing on November 13, 1972, Bill Baker of the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office postulated that the 1963 murders of a young couple in northern Santa Barbara might have been the work of our buddy the Zodiac. Mm. On June 4th, 1963, high school senior Robert um, Domingos? Domingos, yes. Oh, Domingos. <laughs> <laughs> and his fiance Linda Edwards were shot in the beach Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, having skipped school that day for senior ditch day. Did you do your senior ditch day? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I ditched a lot senior year, so. I, I don't, I mean, I did, but I didn't. I don't think I did that day. I think me and all my friends decided to stay. But I know a bunch of people went to, like, the local park near our school the one by the river mm-hmm. not for me <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway police believe that the assailant attempted to blind the victims but when they freed themselves and attempted to flee the killer shot them repeatedly in the back mm. okay. oh and the chest the killer then placed their bodies in a small shack and then tried unsuccessfully to burn the structure mm. unsuccessful so, so there's arson too. Yes. <laughs> so after the Lake Tahoe card, the Zodiac remained silent for nearly three years. Long time for him. But maybe he was locked up for something small, like. Well, no, because they looked up for his DNA and they never found it, and I'm yeah. sure they reran it like over the mm-hmm. years. Um, the Chronicle then received a letter from the Zodiac postmarked January 29th, 1974, praising The Exorcist as the best sat- satire comedy that I've ever seen. Hmm. I know <laughs> Just, it's my favorite. The letter included a snippet of verse from the Mikado, and I'm not sure what that is. And an unusual symbol at the bottom that has remained unexplained by researchers, but it had a new score on it. Hmm. Zodiac 37, Police Department 0. Uh-oh. Wow. So, So, that brings us to present day. Okay. So, that was the last letter that he sent. Oh. And now it is September 18th, 21. Mm-hmm. And it's still unsolved. <coughs> Sorry. In April 2004, the San Francisco Police Department marked the case inactive citing caseload pressure and resource demands, effectively closing the case. However, they reopened their case sometime before March of 2007. It's open in Napa County. Sorry, my throat was itchy. And the city of Riverside. In May 2018, the Vallejo 
Police Department announced their intention to attempt to collect the Zodiac Killer's DNA from the back of stamps he used during his correspondence. Which is super smart. Why didn't they do that before? I mean, <coughs> whatever. <coughs> it was probably... I don't know. Probably couldn't. So, the analysis by a private laboratory was expected to check the DNA against the GED match. Mm-hmm. It was hoped that the Zodiac Killer may have been caught in a similar fashion to the Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. which we'll do something on. Um, in May of 2018, Vallejo Police Detective said that the results were expected in several weeks, but as of May of this year, no results have ever been reported. Really? <laughs> so they just cancel that? Just okay. Like, because that's normal. Whatever. I just <laughs> do better. I say that a lot, but do better. Seriously. We all can. Um, oh, those are all the pictures. But that is everything that I have on the Zodiac. That was a lot. I mean, 37. Yeah. And that one was very all over the place. Like, I feel so. Well, I mean, he did a lot. So oh, yeah. And I just, like, busy. hit bases. Yeah. With everything. Like, uh-huh. I didn't even go way, way in detail. And there's a movie. You there is. Watch. There is a movie. Um, I have it. Hold on. I can find it. I'm going to watch it. I wasn't allowed to before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. I wanted to be the one that told her everything. But there's, I think, two movies. Um, there's a newer one with... Um, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, really? It's not super new. It's probably like... I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna watch that. Because we watched it... I think it was just on, like, TV for something or Netflix. It was just... We were on, like, a... We had watched the Chris Watts documentary, and we're on, like, a true crime murder kick of things to watch. Oh, yeah. So, it was a 2007. Okay. The, the newest one with the... It has um a couple, like, Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., and Mark Ruffalo. Oh, okay. They're, like, the three main people in it, and, like, they're big names, yes, I feel. definitely. I know them all. But, and there's also, like, other, like, actors that play smaller parts in it. But it's really good if you like this kind of stuff. My fiance does not care for it as much as I do, so he did not like the movie, but... <laughs> but, you never know. I'm gonna go watch it now, so... Give you my we ought to do, a, just a, like, a recap. We'll both watch it, and watch the older one, too. And just see how... And come back and tell everybody, like, a review on it. Just yeah. like... But that is everything on the Zodiac. There are... A thousand things to look at under Google, so I just picked a select few so I wouldn't get lost. Yeah. In everything, because the speculations that are out there are, as you can imagine, all over. Yeah. Yeah. Just as many as the speculations as what is actually known. So, 
but I hope you guys liked it. Yes, so Google them if you want, like she said. Um, we'll be back next Sunday. Not going to tell you the topic, but you'll find out. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya.